0: Series that I started last week at the Lord's direction called The Local Church. The Church. Praise God for the church. Anybody in here's life been radically blessed and changed because of the church? Yeah. Wow. Uh I don't have the words in my life, you know, having lived for God and you know the moment that I, you know, like I said at the beginning had that encounter with God in college, man, I, I still, I was still was a messed up kid and my life was not right, you know, for a good while. And God told me, he said, uh, in that moment, he said, I'm not going to just deliver you all at once, you know, from all your issues. Cause I kind of walked into those issues and he said, but if you take me by the hand, I'll walk you right back out to where you once were. Amen. And so I did that step by step, you know, still today I'm not perfect. We're being perfected day by day. We go from glory to glory. Amen. We We go from faith to faith, and we're being developed. But it is, it's important in this process of being a disciple of Jesus to understand the ultimate aim, the ultimate goal. Where are we headed? What is the standard? We're not turning there, but to in Ephesians 4, it's revealed that it's none less of the full stature of Jesus Christ. When God gets done with Brother Dave here, he's going to be Brother Dave as God created him uniquely to be. But he's going to look just like Jesus. He's going to talk just like Jesus. He's going to do the works Jesus would do. He's going to think like Jesus. He's going to have the character of Jesus. We all are. The aim is Christ-likeness. And so we need to keep that in view because we're not supposed to be treading water. We're not supposed to be the same lady we were last year. We're not supposed to be the same man we were last year. Amen? We're supposed to be pressing toward the mark. Amen? And, uh, you know, there'll be seasons where we feel like, you know, God's working mightily and And we're making leaps and bounds. But I tell you what, if you get up tomorrow morning and you're even just fractionally more like Jesus, good for you. Give yourself of that a boy, of that a girl. And then the next day, take another step. Amen? There needs to be constant, practical application of your faith. Amen? You know, think practically. In every sermon, every teaching... It's school. There's a, there's a lesson in, in most of the services that I'm going to lead, right? And you need to leave going, not going, man, that was good, Pastor Chris. And then by the time you get to the restaurant, it's, it's just, well, church is over and now we're moving on. No, what am I practically going to do today, this week, me, us as a family, to put into practice, come on, what's being preached? Otherwise, James says we're being deceived. We are deceiving ourselves to think that the Christian life is in the going to church and in the hearing, and then going and not being changed. Come on, if you're in the right church, you're being challenged to change. It's all about growth. It's all about maturity. It's all about increase. It's all about producing more fruit in our life for God. And that is to be the process that is going to uh, continue intensely in our lives until the Lord catches us away, or until your earthly race is done. So settle in and have a prosperous journey. Amen. Amen. Somebody tells me there's a book with that title out in the bookstore. Praise <laughs> God, to help you. Amen. And so, praise God, the church plays such a vital role in us becoming the Christ-like man or woman that God wants us to be. Let me. Uh, I brought some other notes, some things that I'd typed up in the past on this subject. Don't get me wrong, I'm not dusting anything off. I got brand new notes here, too. But, um, you know, something that I had heard uh, Pastor Nancy made this statement, and she said, There is no spiritual maturity to be had apart from the church and a pastor. There is no spiritual maturity to be had uh, apart from the church and without a pastor. Amen? Okay, now I'm going to, if you're open to being taught, I'm going to convince you of these things. There's a lot of Christians out there, God's sons and daughters, trying to live their life as a Christian like a lone ranger. Right. And there is no such animal. You, you cannot be as good of a Christian sitting at home watch, listening to podcasts and watching TV preach, preachers. As those who are vitally connected in the sheepfold that God has assigned them. It, it will not happen. If that happens, then, then that person is smarter than Jesus because they're doing more than what Jesus said within his program. No, to, to think, I don't need to have a local church, I don't need to have a pastor, is to make yourself smarter than Jesus. Because the Bible says in Ephesians 4, we'll get there eventually, that when Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our Lord, was resurrected, when He ascended to the Father's right hand, He gave gifts unto men. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. In 1 Corinthians 12 it says, And God has set some in the church. And He listed those ministry gifts, among them the pastor. So to say, I don't need a local church. I'm doing just fine. I can sit at home and and watch uh, TV preachers. We got the God Network, and we got TBN, and we've had this. And I'm not against those. Thank God for the people they've reached. But at best, those ministries are vitamin supplements. And you cannot be healthy as a human being. Now, I take all kinds of supplements, but if if I didn't eat food, those supplements... I thank God for the supplements, but it is a supplement. It is to supplement the main thing which is food. So if you get a little benefit, and I know there's really, there's a lot of confusion and there's a lot of gimmick and there's a lot. Of, I don't watch Christian TV. That's just me. Amen. But thank God for the ministries that, and those channels that God and, and millions on the planet have come to Jesus for it. Amen. But I'm saying, praise God. People say, uh, they've been out of fellowship with the church. They don't have a pastor, and they just and they and they like well, you know, I know, I don't know, what, I know Pastor Chris what the Bible says, but uh, you know, uh, I talk to God. I talk to God all the time, and he, ta- I hear from God all the time, and I've begun to tell him, no, you don't. You're lying about it. I said because if you were really hearing from God, He would tell you to get to church. God talked to me. Uh, put this on my heart uh, as I've studied, you know, the last 10 days or so going this direction. He said, son, uh, know this. There is no such thing as being on fire for God, but not on fire for my church. There is no such thing. There, there, there is no such thing. So I like the testimony of my spiritual father, Dr. Dufresne. You know, he was uh, 25 years old and, you know, working on a construction site with a union construction crew in California. And he had this uh, believer dog in his tracks uh, named Jimmy Frazier, I believe was his name. And I mean, Brother Frazier just witnessed to Dr. Dufresne, witnessed to him, witnessed to him, witnessed to him. finally, he goes, if I go to church with you one time, will you shut up? Will you leave me alone? And Brother Frazier goes, yes, I will. And so he came to church, it was an Assembly of God church, and came to church that Sunday morning, and uh, Dr. DeFrank, you know, he's not born again, but he's sitting there in that church, and all of a sudden, a little Filipino gal gets up and talks in this strange language, and, and the, he said, the hair stood up on the back of his neck. What is that? And then her husband, the Filipino man, stood up and interpreted that, what, that language that she said. said, the interpretation was, today's the day of salvation, you know, something like that, and he just knew it was him, and he couldn't wait for the preacher to end, he ran to the front, got born again, and here's why I told you that, right, he came back the very next night, with his big Catholic family Bible, with a picture of Mary on the front, they all about fell out, like, oh my God, they said, bring your Bible, that's the Bible he had, you know, and uh, they gave him a King James, you know, Bible, and, uh, and he came up to the pastor after that Sunday night service and says, I want a job around here. What can I do? And, and he just lived for the, and this is just a testimony. Listen, he did and I do the same thing. I question the genuineness of someone's professed Christian experience that says they love Jesus, but they don't love the brethren. and They don't have a hunger. They don't have a desire to be around the family. The Bible says, by this all men shall know that you are my disciple indeed. What is that? That you love the brethren. You love the family. So if you don't love the family, if you don't love the church, then it calls into question the genuineness of your salvation experience in the first place. Do you love the family of God? Do you love your fellow brother and sister? Is there a passion in you to want to be around the family? To be a part of the family? You know, you you know in a a nuclear family, uh, in a household, that when you've got a husband, you've got a wife, you've got a son or a daughter that's doing everything they can to not be around the family you know you've got issues, you know you've got problems, right? And when you've got a professing Christian who doesn't want to be around the family, then what do we know about in the family? We know we've got, we got a problem here. <clears throat> Amen. Now listen, I, I know full well that, that Satan, is he hates the church. He loathes the church. And he fears the true church. He fears the church. Amen. And he works overtime to do anything and everything to diminish the church, minimize the church, give you plenty of excuses why you need to be exempted from what I'm teaching today. Why it doesn't matter to your life at all when Paul wrote that. We didn't have satellites. We didn't have TV. It's okay now. No, it ain't okay now. Amen. Amen. We just read it in receiving Brother Dale and Michelle. God said, I will bring them to a TV screen. No, I will bring them to their fold, their sheepfold, their household Amen. of faith, their Amen. family. Amen. And in that dynamic, we rehearsed all of those wonderful blessings that if you'll be rightly connected and receiving in the church, you're supposed to be increasing. Come on, and I've seen it. I don't know, Pastor, in nineteen years, when people really hook on and they're really listening and they stay with it, their money goes up, their marriage goes up, their family goes up. Come on, uh, they don't—they're not sick like they used to be sick. They stop bumping their head on in life so much. They learn to really become more than a conqueror, more than victorious. But Satan is, and he will do anything and everything he can to separate you from the church. Everything he can. He will accuse me to you when you're away from me. Now how does that work? Thoughts will come and land on your mind. Oh, Pastor Chris, he ain't got no love. Oh, Pastor Chris, he's too hard. Oh, Pastor Chris, he didn't stop and have a 20 minute conversation with me in the hallway. He must not like me. Now listen, God accuses, or it's not God, excuse me, edit today, Satan, he does the same thing about you to me. In an attempt to bring division, in an attempt attempt to separate. Because if we are rightly joined together in the family of God, we are a force to be reckoned with. That's a good good segue to go ahead and read this text scripture. You're in Matthew 16, aren't you? Praise God. Let's read what Jesus said. And let's begin in verse uh, 15. It says, He saith, Jesus said unto them, But who say you that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, you are Cephas, you are Petrus, you are a stone. And upon this rock, and this is a different Greek word, it means like a massive foundation stone or like a rock of Gibraltar. Okay? I will build my church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hallelujah. Nowhere in the Bible can you find the gates of hell won't prevail against a nation. The gates of hell won't prevail against uh, uh, a political party. The gates of hell won't prevail against a government. All of those, uh, every other institution out there is subject to being overcome, defeated, dominated by the forces of hell. The one entity on planet earth that Satan cannot conquer is the true church. Oh, glory to God. Amen. And, you know, we're living in such a day... You know, Satan knows that his time, he's about to be chained up and cast into a pit. He's going to feel like falling for a thousand years as he lives for a thousand years falling in that dark abyss. His time is short. Amen. And he is flailing. He is throwing everything at the church. Amen. Up to and including the kitchen sink. Amen. And I just have it on my heart to do everything I can to fortify you. In your heart, in your mind, amen, uh, to be rooted and to be connected properly to, and if it's not me, find that guy, find that someone that God has especially anointed as a pastor to speak into your life, feed into your, pray over you, be there for you, amen, to be a spiritual father to you, amen, to feed you the word of God. Listen, if it's not me, that's fine. But find that person. Yeah. Glory to God and count them as precious. My pastor, my man of God, my woman of God, they are precious to me. Amen. I just just I, so that we are all helped. Just so that you're all helped. If you ever came to me and you want to run down Dr. Jacobs or you want to run down Pastor Nancy in my hearing, you just need to know, sweetie, I'm done with you. Because I need them in my life far more than I need you. God bless you. Well, they're not perfect. I saw a flaw. Right, okay, we don't need to say any further. We're just going to turn that mirror around and. Praise God. We're all in the mercy boat, aren't we? <laughs> Amen. And so we want to be a part of the church of Jesus. Now, again, I do understand. That the church is not a building. But thank God for the building. Yes. Yes. Amen. I told you last week what the church is. The church is, uh, in the Greek it's called the Ecclesia. That's a compound Greek word and it means to be called out or the called out ones. Amen? Amen. So what is the church in the mind of God? It is the assembling together, the gathering together, the the meeting together of those that have been born again. Right? (laughs) You know, so from a definitional point of view, if we as World Harvest Church let open sinners who deny the authority of Jesus Christ or who profess Jesus as Lord, but who refuse to obey Him, and we allow them to sit comfortably month after month in our pew, we cease to be a church. In the mind of God. Now yes, we want seekers and sinners pressing in so that they can hear the Gospel, but so that they can be converted and be born again. A, a room Full of sinners is an evangelistic meeting, not a church. And we need to have evangelistic meetings. Is that not right? Is that not right, Reverend Kamal? Come on. God's raised up He and Chelsea as real evangelists, right? Now know this too. the mission of the church is multidirectional, OK? There is an upward mission of the church, and that is to help believers. Know God, love God, honor God, glorify God, experience heaven. Then there is an inward mission and in part of the church. Inward, meaning that there's a huge part of the mission of the church is to minister to Elizabeth, to see Sarah equipped, see her built up, matured in the Lord, to disciple Brother Brett, to see him come up in uh, everything that God has, so he could be a full grown spiritual man in the army of God, fulfilling His purpose. And that takes a lot of ministry, right? And so a huge focus and mission of the church is inward. That the church, what did He say? Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. And then thirdly, there is an outward mission of the church, which is evangelism and community outreach are you with me hallelujah but you know listen it 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 grieves the heart of God and it deceives especially baby Christians for mainline ministers to get up and say things like well I'm evolving on my stance on sexuality and lesbianism that that's dangerous what do you mean what do you mean you're evolving because the text of the scripture is not evolving See a preacher that's evolving. Listen, that means they're drifting from the text of the Word. Amen. You know, I think uh, my word search, the, my Bible program, I use. Uh, I've been with them for a long time, and I'm on the twelfth version of that software. Okay, I'm on the twelfth version of that. You know, the, the you know the Bible is on its first edition. It's needed no updates. No updates. No changes, no amendments, no alterations, right? The Bible, God's Word is never this thing that uh, stick your finger up in the wind of the culture and find out which way it's blowing and then we got to change. No. So listen, I'm just telling you, beware of a preacher who's evolving on what they think about sexuality. Because God is the same. He is the same and the Word is the same. And the punishments are the same. Amen. Praise God. Go over to first, thank you, First Timothy chapter four real quick. Glory to God. First Timothy chapter four. Let me read this to you from Reverend Joel Siegel. It's a quote while you're finding First Timothy. Satan is focusing his efforts on the local church. The local church is the biggest threat to Satan's work in the earth. So he is working full time, listen to this, to replace the real church with the false church. See, Satan cannot defeat the true church. Gates of hell will not prevail against it. But if he can get us to bite at a counterfeit, That's, that's his motive operandus. It doesn't matter what it is. He takes a God-created thing like sex within marriage and he's just going to warp that, twist that into something wicked, evil, and uh, unholy and destructive. Right? And if he could get people to think they're in the church when they're in something false. See, he can defeat a false church. He can't defeat the true church. So he's endeavoring, Joel Siegel says, I like this, he's working full time to replace the real church with the false church. Here's another nugget from Reverend Joel Siegel. He's ministered here before. If you don't know him, he's a great man of God. Um, He said, if there is no flow of power in the church, the church is false. Ooh, come on, somebody. If there's not a flow of power... In the church, the church is false. Now, I'm going to be a good boy this morning, not, but there's a lot of false out there. Yes. You see, the false church, Dr. Dufresne, when he was on the earth as a prophet, he went to heaven in 1999. His spirit left his body. He fell in the heap in his floor. His wife and son were there. And they could hear when he spoke in this vision. They, could, he, they couldn't hear what heaven was saying. And in 1999, Jesus spoke about a false church that would be raised up in these last days. And it's here. It's here in the earth. Dr. Jesus, through his, one of his prophets, was trying to warn the body of Christ. Now, Dr. Dufresne, having left that vision, here's how, here's how he called the false church. He called it the flesh church. It's carnal It it caters to carnality. You know what I mean? Fleshliness. It's not a spiritual church. It's an entertainment center. It accommodates flesh. It winks at sin. So Dr. DeFrame called it the flesh church. Um, Another great man of God that I highly respect, uh, also a true prophet, Reverend Randall Greer, Uh, You know, back in the 2000s, you know, I know we're still in the 2000s, but um, in those first 15 years, as this emerging false church began to take momentum, uh, Reverend Randall Greer, prophet of God, Jesus kind of revealed the same thing. If you put Dr. Dufresne's newsletter and Reverend Randall Greer's newsletter together, you would have thought they got in a meeting room and collaborated about what they were saying. Of course, they didn't. But uh, Reverend Greer, he described this false church this way he said it's the informational church there's no revelation in it there's no real depth of spiritual food being given it's just information I call it the self-help church it's a self-help church it's a Dr. Phil church and I'm not I didn't say that to even criticize Dr. Phil he's good in his vein but that he's not a pastor he's not claiming to be a pastor amen And uh, so, praise God. Let me finish a couple of these quotes uh, from Reverend Siegel. Here's one more. No church can be considered strong if its members never collectively grow past spiritual babyhood. Amen? God wants a strong church. But for the church to be strong, you have to have a large percentage of its members grow past the babyhood stage of Christianity. Now we need flocks and we need congregations that that have spiritual nurseries. We we want babies in the church. We want new ones. We want little ones. We don't we? We want converts. Amen. And we want them to be able to be here and be nurtured and grow. And you know, when you're a baby spiritually, you have to be carried. You don't know everything, right? You probably think wrong. You may say a bad word. You know, you, you don't have your mind very renewed at all yet, right? And that's okay. That's where you should be. And in this church, you shouldn't take any grief for that at all. Amen. But if you stay that way in this church five years later, six years later, seven years later, I'm going to be given as the daddy of the house. I'm going to be giving you a swift kick in your little spiritual backside. And I'm going to be taking your pacifier away from you. I'm going to put spiritually age-appropriate toys in your hand. Amen. And responsibilities on you. There ought to come to a place spiritually where you ought to be able to take out the trash. And help out around here a little bit. Hallelujah. You're not mad at me, are you? Glory to God. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1 says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly. The Spirit speaks. That means clearly. He's not um, mixing words, right? He speaks distinctly and very clearly. What does he say? That in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Now, this, this context, the, the word for faith here, in the context, does not mean uh, they leave a lifestyle of believing God, you know, for their health or that, you know, because well, we preach faith a lot around here. Here he's talking about the Christian faith yeah. the family of God, the church of God. Are you with me? It says in the latter days, some shall depart from the Christian faith. Now, notice how did they end up doing this? Look, it says giving heed to, that means listening to, regarding, falling for, what? Seducing spirits and doctrines of demons that are speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So, Here we have what I see is people behind pulpits but they're yielding to demonic spirits not the Holy Spirit and they're espousing things and teaching things that are not the Word. And people are falling for it. They are leaving the true faith. They are leaving the Christian faith the Bible kind of Christian life to live some sort of A hybrid, worldly, twisted, false form of Christianity. Now, my wife worked in banking for a number of years, and one of the things she said that they taught her uh, about watching for counterfeit bills as a teller is that you don't study all the, the newest fad. You don't study the latest counterfeit bill. You spend all your time focused on the real thing. Knowing what's real Is that right? Yeah, knowing the authentic Being an expert on what is true The real $100 bill The real $20 bill Know what it looks like Know what it feels like Because there are all sorts of little tricks out there And when something false comes along You're so acquainted with the real You don't fall for what's false Hallelujah Hallelujah and I invite you, I urge you, I encourage you, do not take my word for it. On this subject or any subject I get up and teach, be like the Bereans in the book of Acts. Go home and search the scriptures to make sure that the things I'm telling you are true. Yes, sir. Amen. You need to get in your Bible, be acquainted with the Bible. Amen. And I'll try to use a lot of scriptures. I want to be part of the true church. I don't want to fall prey myself. Uh, to that which is false. How am I going to do it? I'm going to study. I'm going to keep my eye on the Word. I'm going to live close to Jesus. And so when some fad blows through the body of Christ, I'm not going to, in Jesus' name, fall for it because I'm so acquainted and familiar with the real thing. Right. Praise God forevermore. Amen. Amen. Go over with me to Psalm 92. Psalm 92. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Helping you? Yeah. Don't let anything, don't let anyone separate you. I don't, You know, if your best friend that invited you to World Harvest Church, and you're here because of them, they invited you. And then a month later, they're offended with me and leave the church. Don't you leave the church. Amen. How long have you bearers been with me? 15, 20 years. And uh, they were invited by another member. Not long after, (laughs) months, that one that invited them got offended with something I said and left. They'd been with They've been with us all that time. Brett's now my assistant. Right? Married one of my spiritual daughters. Amen. And, and gone through a lot of stuff. But living on top of their not overcome. Satan's not prevailing against them. Amen. My friend Dr. Dennis Hattaball pastors a great church in Georgetown. By the way, mark your calendars, December 1, 2, 3. We're going to have a special meeting. And he'll be here ministering with me on that. But... Uh, he was invited to church on the rock, Doctor Michael Jacobs' church, thirty years ago. Two weeks after he and Pastor Angie got in and go, "Oh my God, this is what I've been looking. This is what I needed. I am hearing the truth. This is I knew God was this big." The one that invited him got offended and left. Tried to take him with him. He goes, "I'm sorry, you leave, I, I'm, but I'm staying right here." And the fruit of their life and ministry, they wouldn't be where they are today. Pastor in a great Holy Ghost Word Church. In Georgetown, Texas, had they followed their, you know, buddy in offense. Satan is going to make sure, humans are going to make sure that we all have opportunity to be offended. The guaranteed way to get hurt in this church is just stay here long enough. (laughs) And I I pray it's not intentional, especially on my side. But you know, I'm not looking at per- perfection. For, I'm not looking for perfection in you. I hope you're not looking for perfection. We're supposed to be a God-ordained family, right? And we love each other through our issues. Yeah, right. We don't chew each other up, you know, at restaurants and in lobbies and in hallways and on Facebook or whatever. Amen. So in Psalm 92, let's uh, look at um, verse number. Uh, 12 verse number, number 12 it says the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree Does that sound good to you the righteous will flourish like a palm tree he or she will grow like a cedar in Lebanon those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. Come on. By the way, right after the service, right after the service, Brother Roy and Sister Susan Dawes, a member of ours, they, they bought and donated a couple of shade trees that we've planted out here in honor and memory of Brother Bill and Deacon Dennis Trevathan. And after the service, we're going to mount the plaques and share a memory and right out there. And uh, but brother Bill, until he went home to be with the Lord this year, he was our oldest, most senior living member. He was prosperous, peaceful, fruitful. Come on, not disease. I'm telling you what, he just wore himself out, wore his body out. Glory to God, and went home to be with the Lord. Amen. He was this, but he was in the house of God. I mean, when I walked up my first Sunday, November 18th, 2001, it was he and Martha. At the door greeting me. And here I come, little 28-year-old kid. Uh, praise God, the pastor my first church. And they were just right with me. Amen. Martha's still with us, you know. She's, you know, aged herself, but still bearing fruit. Listen to this from the Amplified translation. The uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Now, here's how the Amplified describes that. They will be long-lived... Stately, upright, useful, fruitful. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They shall be majestic. Come on, how about you? I like this word, stable. The church, the spiritual nourishment that comes from a church is a stabilizing force in your life. And your family needs that. Your children, don't trade that for t-ball. Don't trade that for ballet. You know, the Lord put this on my heart this morning too. He said, you know, when people disobey Hebrews 10.25 and they neglect to assemble, they hurt my church. Because the outside world is watching, they don't seem to... It doesn't seem to mean much to them. Why should it mean much something to me? It doesn't mean nothing to them. Yeah. But what ought to be happening is uh, Coach Doodad or dance teacher so-and-so should be saying, now where's Sally at? And those people there should go, oh, well, their church was having a prayer meeting.
1: Yeah.
0: That's what ought to be... See, that is a witness. Yeah. That's a witness that ought to be happening. Just a simple thing. Where's... Come on, where's my goalie? Where's he at? Well, you scheduled it on Wednesday night. He's he's at church in the Word. He said he wasn't coming. See, when we do that, when they talk like that, we have witness to them without being there. Our lifestyle should demonstrate that we regard the church. The church is important to us. It's a stabilizing, uh, equipping, safety place for our family and we won't trade that for other good things but they you know soccer won't do it now i played soccer for thirteen seasons and i missed a lot of church because my parents didn't go to church but i've offered all there's not really any extracurricular activities that i've denied amber and i our three children we've introduced them i mean we introduced faith to all kinds of things and uh praise god we've rex has played things we've had we've tried to get ryan you know Rex, over here, I don't know how many years you did jujitsu. jitsu I probably got to a fat 401k invested in your jiu-jitsu skills. Like almost 10 years, but never miss service. Never miss service because of jiu-jitsu. If we couldn't schedule it around, if it was going to get in the way, we just made decision. And over the long haul, it shows up in the life. Now, every parent, all of you, you have to make your own decisions about these things. But it's my job to put this principle before you from the Word of God and give you a clear choice. What kind of kids do you want to have? You want a wall full of trophies, but then not know God? And not know how to get healed? Not know how to deal with the spirit of suicide? Not know how to deal with depression? Not know how to deal with the pressures that are coming on this world? Every one of us have a choice that we must make. God has provided, amen, a way for us to live this kind of life. We can be majestic, stable, look at this, durable, incorruptible. Planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish in the courts of our God. So the church is a flourishing place. Amen. It's a flourishing place. Now, I I have my responsibility to make it that for you, but you have a responsibility to make it that for yourself too. You have to come expecting. You have to come living right. You have to come with the hunger. You have to have passion for the house. If you come in, I may have studied all week, prayed all weekend and, and come in, but if you're distracted and you, you wore yourself out on Saturday night, you don't have any, and you're interested in other things, well, you're not going to get what you could have got. Right. Amen. Amen. And we're going to be challenged in our circumstances. You know, I sat down, uh, actually I was approaching by 2 p.m. for a night service. I was taught this. I ought to be in my room shut up with God, study and praying for the night service. So I was getting, approaching that this Wednesday, that time is about 12 o'clock, and I thought, you know what, my water pressure inside my house is going down, and that just tells me that my whole home water filter needs to be replaced, it's all clogged up. And so I, that ought to be a three minute thing. You know, undo it, put the new cartridge in, screw it back on, see you later. That's what I thought. Well, I got the thing off, Put the new cartridge in, put it back on, it leaked. It leaked. I found out later why. I found the O-ring on the ground. It had fallen out when I was rinsing out the thing. But then the thing got jammed up. I couldn't get it off. So I had Rex come out and help me because we've got this series of pipes in my hot water heater closet. And he's trying to stable it and I'm cranking on the thing and the thing goes boom. And the pipes go boom and here comes the water. And now I'm in an afternoon project of plumbing. I was still here in my place doing my best. Now if I had had a mist, you know, things do happen. But I gave it my best shot. But see, the church is important to me. It's important to you, right? We all, I, no, none of us are bad. Come on, but the, we have forces working against us in yeah. thoughts and yeah. feelings, yeah. and Satan's going to stir up circumstances, and when these things happen, you have to make a willful decision. I will not let this hobby, that thing, this circumstance, keep me from the flourishing place. I won't. Amen. Well, I live far away. Move closer.. Amen. Are you a slave where you are? I mean, if God is called, I, that, just doesn't, that just doesn't jive with me. I, I lived in Norman, Oklahoma, and our church was on the north side of Oklahoma City, 20 plus miles away, and it's all high traffic, interstate city traffic to get there. We were there every service. Hallelujah. A church that's alive is worth a drive. Come on. It really just comes down to, what kind of revelation do we have? What is the church to us? What is it to us? What is it to Jesus? Are we putting the church in its proper place? Do we have a biblical mindset today, or have we let some things slip? Busy, busy, busy. Think about, could keep you from the place. Huh. I told that story not too long ago about uh, a, a single mom that uh, had children. I don't know. She, she didn't get offended, I don't think. She just drifted out of the church. It happens sometimes. People get busy. Stuff comes up. And before long, they hadn't been here two weeks. And they hadn't been here three weeks. And then a month and a half go by. And then they've just, they're in this life and they are not at church. And her daughter hangs herself. Her daughter hangs herself while at church. Our youth leaders are teaching about the spirit of suicide and how to deal with demons. And I just—I I didn't tell her when I saw her at the gym, and she gave me this news, which I had heard. It's not right. It's not good to say I told you so. But I just thought, if you did not, if you'd have just kept her in the church. If you'd have kept her in the church, it's quite likely she'd be with you today. These are sobering things. Pastor Nancy said it this way, the first banana away from the bunch is always the first one to get peeled. How powerful is the connection of having a right covering with a right relationship with a pastor in local church. Do you remember the fornicator in 1 Corinthians chapter 5? This is a man who's a, it's an adult male who is a, uh, a living member of the church at Corinth. And he's committing open sexual sin with his, his dad's wife, his stepmother. He's having sexual, rela- and the whole church knows about it. Paul, the spiritual father, finds out about it. He is livid. Because the pastor and the local church family are letting that go on. He says, don't you know a little leaven will leaven the whole lump? That thing will spread throughout the whole church community. Could be defiled. These are spiritual forces. This cannot go on. He said, I'll tell you what I have done. In the Spirit, I have turned him over to Satan. For the destruction of his flesh. So that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now here's what I, in telling you that Bible story, true account, it's not just a fictional story. That's a Bible accounting of a a, a real situation in the church at Corinth in that day. Evidently, Satan couldn't destroy his flesh. While he's, he was told if you read 1 Corinthians 5, you have to excommunicate him. You have to get him out of the church. Why? Because as long as he's in that church, Satan can't destroy his flesh. That's how powerful, spiritually, the blessing and the protection that can come when you're in the body of Christ. So for, for judgment to happen in an effort to save his soul from damnation, he had to be separated from the church. And turned over to Satan. I am so, I want to stay in right relationship with the church, <laughs> right? Because I like knowing Satan can't destroy my flesh because I have a pastor and I have a local church and I'm a part of that local body. I'm part of the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Yeah, some of you are looking at me like a dog in a new pan. And I know most you're not hearing sermons like that that can come out of most pulpits. Amen. But I wanted to illustrate that when you are planted in the house of God, it's a flourishing place. It's a flourishing place. Glory. You know, in new members' class, my wife always tells a story about her gardening experiences. Now she's past that now, that's all past. But she talked about, you know, in the past she would go to Lowe's and she'd spend all of our money, not all of it, but a good portion of our money (laughs) on plants and flowers. And then when she gets home, she's been out. She's been shopping all day. And she doesn't want to go put those plants in the ground right then. So she sets them by the garage. And that's where they sat. And that's where they stayed. Now, as she points out, can you, if you water that plant, can you keep that tomato plant alive? Yeah. yeah, you can keep it. You can keep life in the stem. You can keep it. Right. But are you ever going to get a tomato off of that plant sitting in its little starter box on your driveway? See, you're a, you're a precious little plant. You really are. And you have all the potential to bear us some wonderful cucumbers in the family But if you sit out there in the world in your little planter box on your driveway, you're going to get dried up and crusty. Because eventually she'd forget to water those little plants. Right? But when you take that plant and you take it out and you put that root ball in some soil that's been enriched and nurtured and you put light on it, See, that's what we're doing about the church. I'm taking the light of God's word. And I'm trying to shine the light on it. That's what I do. I'm, I'm doing on Wednesday nights on healing for your body. I'm trying to shine the light on how you could be healed and live free of sickness and disease. You should come. Yeah. Yeah. You should come. Amen. And but if you if you put that plant in the soil and you let it bear some roots, nothing's going to happen overnight, is it? But if you put the light on that and you put it in good soil where the roots can go down deep and spread out, you're going to bear fruit. Amen. So if you're new, listen, I would urge you, if you have peace about coming here, if you kind of like the tone and the, the strength of the word that we preach around here, listen, don't expect your life to get completely turned around overnight, but give me a year. Give me, right? Come on. you got But you have to plant yourself. You want to make sure that your children grow up planted. It is our responsibility, parents, to make sure that should the Lord Terry is coming, that God's going to have a people after we leave. Is God going to have another generation that will love Him, serve Him, pray to Him, sacrifice for Him, work in the church for Him? Don't think that your children are going to love God more than you. They likely won't. No child is likely to read their Bible more than their dad or mom. No Bible is going to love Jesus more. Now, it can happen, but it's just a rare occurrence. And if you don't regard the church, mom and dad, if you don't love the church, if you're living that life and and your children are seeing you, set the church aside and let busyness get in and enter in. that's That's the example. That's the mindset that you're putting in them. Yeah. So this verse tells us that we need to be planted in the house of God. We don't visit the house of God. You know, the, the, it hadn't happened in many years now because we, we teach this pretty well, but uh, you know, a few times over 20 years you meet someone at the mall. Hi, Pastor Chris. Hi. Well, who are you? Who am I? I'm a member there. We, I'm, what? Where? Harvest? Yeah. Really? We purged you off the rolls three years ago, sweetie. You stopped answering our phone calls and our text messages. Huh. People are Goofy. You don't be goofy, but people are goofy. Doctor Jacobs, what did he say? Pie or something? He's like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> we got to get her thinking straightened out. Let's uh, let's close over here in First Corinthians chapter eleven. I hope you guys are okay with this subject because we got weeks to go on this. <laughs> weeks. First Corinthians. Chapter 11, and we'll close right here. Hallelujah. And my, my teenagers, my young people, don't, don't let pastor find out that you started dating somebody and you've been dating them for three months and I hadn't seen their face. Don't do that. What church they go to? Well, okay. But they kiss good, Pastor. It's like Dr. Jacob says, you teach someone to kiss good. That don't pay the bills. You know, it's commanded in Scripture, you are not supposed to marry outside the faith. You're inviting hell on your life. Well, they started to come to church. No, that's not going to work either. You need to extend, don't even think about getting married for like five years. You, because they're coming to church for you. Not for Jesus. You found out what they're really like when you met them. What were they doing when you met them? Were they in the club? They smoking pot? They doing some light porn on the side? But they're getting it together. No, they're getting it together to try to keep you around. Don't fall for these things. You need to bring that, bring that one to me. and Let me scan them hmm, in the spirit. And my God, don't, yeah! Thank you, Mom. I'm helping you. You got a You got someone you thinks a candidate? If they can pass the Pastor Amber scan, you might have something. Let them. Let Mama scan them. My filters, you know, got bigger holes than hers does. I've had church members say, you know, they come in. I go, How are you doing? Great. I got married. You, you what? Where? At the courtyard steps. Oh, wow. I just walk off and go, God bless you. See, I mean there are there is so multifaceted there's protection, there's blessing in the church. Amen. In the church. Amen. I I'm not your oracle. I don't want to be. I, I'm not your oracle, I'm not your boss. I'm not I'm not your, you know, your checker on you know, what tie you ought to wear. You know, but listen, you've got some big, massive, life-changing, life-altering decision. If you, I don't, don't let the office, not me, the office of ministry be wasted on you. You have a pastor. And Jesus will work in me for your benefit. And when you tell me something and it, it's not right, it will land on me. As not right. And if you have a regard for that. You'll go. Hmm, okay. Thank you. Pastor. I'm going to go back and pray about that. It's just an added check and a balance and a blessing for you to keep you alive. Every. I'm done. I'm almost done. Every day of my life. I receive a blessing because I married the will of God. Every day I get a blessing. Because I married the will of God for my life. But it's so sad some people every day they get a form of cursing. Because they married wrong. Hallelujah. You got a lot. You got a lot. You got a lot to do for God. Who you marry is a big deal. Princes should marry princesses. Is that right? Princes don't marry projects. I'm not coming for you, Brother Chris. It's okay. (laughs) He's like, oh, he's coming. That's funny, man. Oh, hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 28 says, but Paul says, but let a man, let a person examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation or condemnation unto himself, not discerning the Lord's body. We didn't get to it yet, but you know the church is the body of Christ. You have enough Bible knowledge probably to know that's right. Over and over and over again in the New Testament, the church is called the body of Christ. Even the bread and the cup represents Jesus and what He gave for our redemption, right? So there's a, there's, there's a lot to communion, but the, there's a secondary underpinning interpretation of this that I want to close with, and that is, notice He said that bad things can come if we don't discern the body of Christ or the church. We have to discern properly. We have to understand properly the church in the mind and plan of God and then conform our life to be in agreement with His program. If you want God's best. You can buck up against it. You can rebel against it. You can think that you're going to be the exception, but you won't be. You won't be. Amen? Notice what the next verse says. Not discerning the Lord's body. Notice this. You need to mark this in your Bible. Don't don't forget this. It says, For this... Cause, or your translation might say, for this reason. Does it say few or many? Many. Everyone say many. many. Many, what are they? Weak. Sickly. That word means they are prone to sickness. And then what does it say? And many sleep, which is a Greek word which means to die premature. Is this a heavyweight thing or not? We read in Psalm 92 that if you do church right and you plant yourself and your family in the house of God, it's a flourishing place. It's a thriving place. But if you don't discern the Lord's body, the church, properly, the exact opposite happens. Weakness will set in. Then you become prone to getting every sickness that comes along. Notice the progression. Weak. Prone to sickness. You don't want to get to that third phase. You don't want to graduate up to that third phase, do you? I don't. Where you die premature. You die premature. Why? Because you didn't discern the church right. People, you want to die premature? Try to split this church. Try to split any church. Try to tear it up. If you ever do want to leave, just slip out as quietly and peacefully as you can. Don't take anybody with you, and you might live. I'm serious about it. We cannot tear up the body of Christ and do harm to the church. Amen? And when we neglect the church, we we hurt it. We hurt it in the eyes of the world, and then you're hurting yourself by not receiving what you should have received. And in the church, when you're not here, guess what? There's a real deep revelation. You're not bringing what you should have brought. It's a two-sided thing. It's not me give and you take. It's us joined together as a family and advance a cause of which you have a vital part. Every church service, you should bring something, your faith, your excitement, your joy, your supply, your finances, your prayer. And when you don't bring that consistently, it doesn't matter whether you didn't know it or not. This spiritual law will kick in eventually. You're going to find yourself growing weaker and sicklier. And if you don't get it turned around, you could go to heaven before you should have. Because you weren't in the service where God was going to move to heal your body. Hallelujah. Are we learning anything? Yes, sir. Glory to God. What is church? School. right? And guess what? There will be a, a test out there. Hallelujah. You could stand to your feet this morning. Glory to God. Hallelujah.